0: Hey, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, what's your name?
1: Wendy Stacy.
0: All right, and you are a professional astrologer, right? I am. Uh, how long have you been studying astrology?
1: Thirty-one years now. Wow. Okay. It's old school.
0: And you are the head of a school of astrology here in London, right?
1: I am. Um, uh, I head uh, up the Mayo School of Astrology. Okay. Uh, it's based in the UK, but it's it's a uh, distance learning. Okay. An online school so it's sort of even though it's based here it's, it has students and tutors around the world.
0: Got it. And you're also involved in one of the major local astrological organizations here?
1: The Astrological Association. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And what's your role there?
1: I'm the chair for there and I've been chair I think since 2002. Mm-hmm. Um and I joined the organization in ninety-nine. So yeah, you know, twenty years now.
0: Wow. You joined so three years later, so you rose pretty fast through the the ranks of the Astrological Association.
1: Yeah, I started as treasurer. So they needed someone um with financial background. So that's how I sort of ended up um working for them and with and they wanted to look at property at the time, that sort of thing. So that sort of yeah, I met the criteria. So I sort of started, yeah, yeah, straight into it.
0: Yeah. Um, and so, at some point, though, you also decided to uh, go back to school to study astrology in like an academic setting, right?
1: Yeah, it was really exciting when the MA program came um, when Nick Campion got the MA program running up at Bath. So, yeah, uh, I was one of the few. Fir- I was one of the first year students there. So that was very exciting to do that.
0: Um, mm. And what did you do? Was that primarily a history program, or what was the focus?
1: Um, well, it was sort of a, a social science, but and it sort of looked at um, you know, different modules and things like that. So it was uh, looking at uh, the the history of astrology, the science of astrology, different methodologies one can use. So it was a study of astrology rather than the application of it. So, um, and that was in two thousand and three. So two thousand two, maybe actually, yeah. So yeah, it was a very exciting program because it was that first year. So Oh, you
0: were part of the first class of students. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: So it was it was like going to hogwarts actually. Right. Yeah. Very cool.
0: And you um eventually completed that program, right? Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. I completed that program and um yeah, and then continued my and, and I guess I was a little bit um fringe in terms of the the master's program because I already had a a, this, a study that I wanted to um, develop, a research that I wanted to develop. So the MA provided that um, uh, platform for me to do so, and then I continued the the study um, at Southampton University, which, and I'll possibly be transferring mm. um, to somewhere in that area, okay. or Plymouth or something like that
0: what did your research end up focusing on? Or you did a specific master, like a thesis, right?
1: Yeah, my master's thesis was looking at Caesarean sections um, and the increase of those, um, in particular elective Caesareans and how that had a bearing on uh, births, um, the, the the natal chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found that quite interesting. I mean, I, I'd a- actually studied, started re- this research when I was 25 Um, which is 26 years ago. Um, And so I was sort of uh, looking at, at that time, emergency cesarean, how that can be shown in the chart. Mm. Um, And it became quite obvious. Some some signatures were quite obvious when I was looking at rectification or confirming birth times, things like that. So that's how the study began. Um, However, it sort of led more into looking at elective cesarean. So therefore um births that were born between 9 and 5 monday to friday and how that would impact um a complete generations going forward um in the astrological interpretation of of the natal chart
0: right because a an emergency cesarean happens just when it needs to happen out of medical necessity but an elective uh, cesarean surgery Usually is just something that's scheduled during normal business hours.
1: Yes, that, yeah, that's absolutely correct. And and of course, over time, um, pretty much since about the late eighties or nineteen ninety, um, even the the uh, emergency cesareans are now sort of deemed emergency, even though they're conducted pre labor. Mm. So, for example, twins is now considered an emergency. So it's still conducted Monday to Friday. So the st- stats of emergency elected, um, that yeah the, the sort of uh the, yeah the, the what's my, what's the word I'm looking for really the, um, sorry Chris. That's
0: all right. How did you? What was your background? Did you have some connection with this, or what motivated you to get into that line of research? Was it just that research project initially of emergency births and the signatures?
1: Yeah, so looking at the emergency cesareans and looking at, at the birth signatures on emergency cesareans, that um, that was what started um, me into this research in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, as time progressed, it became really obvious that elected was born nine to fri- five, Monday to Friday, and that the emergency cesareans were now being conducted as well. Between Monday Friday nine to five because they were conducted pre labor, mm. so a, a breech birth or twins or something like that mm. um, would be considered emergency.
0: So it used to be a much more random distribution of people's birth times. Suddenly, started falling into more prescribed uh, dates and times.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we know that births are not randomly um, distributed in the twenty four hour day. Um, they've they've historically been uh, births uh, more likely to occur on a Sunday
2: mm.
1: or early hours or late sort of early hours in the mornings um, around you know like three to six a.m. and that was pretty much uh, because women would be more relaxed mm. on on a Sunday uh, more relaxed at night so we'd go into labour um, so there was always a uh, peak in terms of births. Um at those times and days. But that of course has now changed. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you have data going back. I mean, how far does the data go back that you're able to look at when it comes to studying the earlier history of this prior to cesareans becoming more common? Like early twentieth century data or
1: Yes, well, we didn't um really have much data on, on Caesarean births. Mm-hmm. Um At all, to be honest. Um, Most studies done sort of removed intervened births. So um, there was a study um, in 1970 done by Chamberlain, and he saw an increase sort of in cesareans. And, of course, this is what um, Michel Gauquelin was um, concerned about. Um, He was concerned about the increasing um, number of cesareans um, and what that would do in terms of cosmic imprint.
0: Why was that? Why was he concerned?
1: Well, he was concerned that that babies born um, through intervention would not have the cosmic imprint. Uh, he was challenged by Jeffrey Dean um, and Jeffrey Dean um, said, well, if that's the case, then astrology doesn't work. Mm. So Goklin, um backtracked and said, yes, uh, the cosmic imprint is there. Um, however, the genetic factors are missing. Mm. That was Gaukeland's, um findings for cesarean birth. Um, and that was, you know, in the 70s. Um, but we're talking really about a, you know, um, 1% to 2% back then of, okay. of all births. So very low. Very low. And, you know, some births need to be born by cesarean. I mean, the World Health Organization thinks that between 10 to 15%. And certainly in countries like Africa, that is needed, you mm. know. Um, where where infant mortality is is um, really high, so there is a need for those sort of surgeries.
0: And is that part of the reason why infant mortality and like the mother's mortality used to be so high prior to modern times?
1: Mm, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, cesarean section is an amazing um, surgery. It's mm. it's it's wonderful, but it's sort of just been exploited in the in the last couple of decades. Um, like for example, you know the the um, in nineteen ninety, the average age of mother was twenty four years, twenty four point nine years. Okay. Um, now it's around twenty nine point five. Okay. But what's fascinating about that f- figure in nineteen ninety is if you take twenty four point nine years from nineteen ninety, you end up smack bang in the middle of the Uranus Pluto conjunction in the sixties. Wow. So you have this generation that um, in Virgo, mm-hmm. who worked longer, they worked longer. So mothers started to become older when they have their firstborn. Mm. Um, and so this is where the pattern starts to, and and of course, sorry, to also say, you know, this is during the time where the you know stellium and Capricorn generation, well, the, the stellium that sat near Uranus Neptune in Capricorn was around. So there was a lot of control around birth as well. Mm-hmm. So these sort of factors played into why Caesarean births well, one of the reasons why cesarean births became um, uh, increased over time, gradually.
0: So it took off. It was 1% to 2% many years ago, but what is it at at this point?
1: Um, Well, it differs between different locations. Um, uh, uh, Cities like London, Rome, New York, Sydney Mm -hmm. um, have probably about a 27% cesarean section rate at the moment. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, and and the elected well, and, and it's very difficult to differentiate between elected and emergency. You know, they don't they don't categorise it in post and pre labour, which is what they n- used to do. So, um, but the majority, you know, at least um, probably fifteen to seventeen percent, well, of all births are elected. Mm. So, and then you've got the emergency on top of that but but of course now people think you know spontaneous births um uh were spontaneous births even they're being born monday to friday 9 to 5 um due to intervening practices such as inducing a woman at midnight so she will go into labor and have, ba- have the baby in the morning mm. um so there's a design of you know a, a pattern um that's just increasing so you know and, and the same with any other Intervention with von or uh, forceps or something like that. These babies are increasingly being born Monday to Friday, nine
0: to five. Okay, because that's when the doctors are working. Yeah, yeah. Versus they take the weekend off. Yeah, right. When
1: I when I did my pilot study at um, Bath Spa um, for my MA, um, I did a pilot study and I um, looked at 193 births, um, but you know the the variables were a little bit. Um, I didn't have, uh, didn't really look at age or socioeconomic background. Um, You know, I didn't look at um, many factors that I, you know, have since, um, I have looked at since. But um, what was fascinating is looking at these births, it became very clear that um, there were, because most of these babies are born Monday, nine to five, Monday to Friday, um, it became clear that there was very little ninth house sons, Mm. Which, um, which sort of indicates obstetricians' lunch hours. Okay. Um, and then when you sort of put it into Monday to Friday, sort of Friday afternoon was a little bit, um, you know, absent as well. So from that, you could sort of deduce that that obstetricians' golfing practices and lunch hours. Um, yeah, have, have a bearing on when babies are born.
0: Or like affecting people's destinies and things like that. Well, yeah,
1: because I, I was really interested to know what astrologers think. And, I, and it sort of questioned my views on fate, sure. actually. Mm-hmm. So I did a survey of, of at a conference of over 200 astrologers. And it's quite interesting how many astrologers believe that a baby is born at a time that it should be or at a time that it, that it wants to be. Yet, when you look at these stats of of um, babies not being born at lunch hours or Friday afternoons, you sort of think, well, actually, there's you know, um, that's I I didn't I it challenged my own views, and I um, realized that yeah, obstetricians' diaries are not an advocate for fate.
0: (laughs) Sure. Right. And going back to Gochlin, isn't one of the claims that he made at one point at least that he thought. The Mars effect and other similar planetary effects disappeared if the burst was induced or something like that?
1: No, well, um, Gokulin, you know, he looked at the occupations and he looked at um, hereditary factors. Um, and with the, so it didn't matter, make any difference with occupations. But of course, what it did do um, is, which he wouldn't have looked at at the time, because it wasn't happening Monday to Friday, nine to five when Gokulin was around. So he never sort of um, ever touched on that, because elected Caesarians were weren't around. But he found that um, well, 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 any birth born 9 to 5 Monday to Friday would have a predisposition to have the Sun, Mercury, and Venus in two of the Gokul and Plus zones, so either near the Midheaven or near the Ascendant. Um, but of course, he didn't look at Venus, um, and he didn't look at the Sun, Oh, um, sorry. He didn't look at Mercury, and he didn't look at the Sun, um, and he only looked at. So, so what he, so, so what you can t- take from this um, group of people is that the, you know, they have a. Um, there's a majority with Venus in these plus zones, so therefore, uh, we can explore the Gokulan traits. Mm. However, when he said that there's an intervention in birth, he believed. That the genetic factor was lost um, I'm in sort of two minds about that um because I think on one hand, yes, and I can understand why he would say that um in terms of a baby coming when you know um to be born, and when a baby is born, you can see the genetic factors astrological genetic factors with the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. However, I think when you look at adopted children,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or when you look at people who have cats and dogs, um, all those astrological signatures still uh, bear the same family characteristics. Right. So I'm not convinced that, you know, he's, he's I don't necessarily agree with him on that one.
0: Sure, he was coming at it from more of like a like a biological standpoint, or something, or thinking there was a, like a physical biological mechanism for astrology.
1: Yeah, well, he said things like, "So if someone had the Mars had Mars rising, um, uh, then their child would have a, a probability of having that as well. If both parents had that, then the probability would be, you know, doubled." And, and he looked at things like that, and that's possibly the case. But I guess I've seen too many like adopted children sharing those factors with their parents and siblings. So I, I, I would need to see more evidence to 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 really agree with him, I think, on that one.
0: So that's what you meant by hereditary factors is those carryovers from like the parents' chart to the child's chart. He said yeah. those were lost when the birth was induced? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's what he said. But I'm not yeah.
0: Yeah, which may not be true, but he was trying to he was wrestling with like different ways that his data was being interpreted, and trying to defend it to show that there was still some sort of astrological statistical correlation.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But of course, the, also the Gokulan, um character traits would still apply um, to this sort of study in terms of looking at Venus in those plus zones. Mm-hmm. So um, he, you know, you're looking at, 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 at a generation or generations of. Um, a population where they have um with uh, the majority of them have venus in those plus zones, okay which he would um say that this that this generation would be more charming and affable and and um agreeable and pleasing and they would have an absence of the mars quality mm. that's what he would say so he would look at a generation and say they don't have um any of these mars qualities um Because of the Venus in the plus zone. That's what, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about that. What are some of the, in terms of charts, what are some of the implications if astrologically, not in terms of interpretation, but just in terms of chart placements, if more people are being born Monday through Friday between nine to five?
1: Yeah, so you get um, a higher. Um, probability of having sun. Uh, you have sun, of course, between the ninth and eighth, uh, the twelfth and eighth house.
0: Okay, so top half of the chart.
1: The top part of the chart. Yeah, okay. and because of the um, uh, Mercury and Venus being so close to the sun, you also have a higher probability of them also being in the top part of the chart as well. Okay. Hence the Venus being in the plus zones. Mm. Um. So yeah, you have these three. Um, with the Sun, Mercury, Venus being in the top part of the chart for a a a huge amount of the population. I mean, when you know it's probably over sixty percent when you look at the um amount of births that are that would be randomly distributed. When you count, when you factor in the cesarean sections, um, you know there's there's a really high percentage of children being born Monday to Friday, nine to five. Wow.
0: So yeah. So it's throwing off the distribution of what it would have been naturally, like a century ago. Yeah. And suddenly we're dealing with something else where, um, you know, astrologers seeing clients are going to see a much higher proportion of certain types of chart placements, uh, just as a result of this human intervention that's taking place.
1: Mm, yeah. What account for a lot, you know, there's a lot to be said about millennials and and you know different generations. Um, having this, mm. it's you know, I mean, as astrologers, we, there's nothing wrong with having some Mercury and Venus at the top part of the chart, but there's something very interesting when it, when a whole when a whole population around the world um, is uh, uh, you know has this, um, it's really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And sorry, you asked me before about where this you know and I was telling, um, around the world. I mean. Places like Brazil have a seventy five percent cesarean section rate. Oh wow! Places like Shanghai and Madras, which up until only a decade up until a decade ago was the only places in India and China that recorded um, method of delivery, um, they have it. Both have about a forty five percent cesarean section rate. Wow. That's perhaps because um, there is a. Um, a they they want to choose their day, or they're looking for auspicious days.
0: Right. So China
1: and India have that.
0: In China and India, there's because astrology is still much more popular and part of the popular culture. Sometimes there's specific years where everybody will try to have a, a child during that year.
1: Yeah. 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 Or, or on the eights, and you know the times, and all that. You know, if they can have a and they'll have it at a time that they they feel is auspicious. So um, that's a little bit concerning, as you know because um, it's it's part of a, a, a you know baby design really it's you know so um i yeah that is concerning and then there's places like holland um that have about a uh, well uh, we're talking about a, a decade ago they probably had about 3 to 5% cesarean section rate and that's because they're they have a strong midwifery led mm. um uh, childbirth um practices so yeah so where you have that um, there's many different factors why there's different rates in different places um but yeah it's it's and and it's still increasing and um i'm just trying to think of um i think it's nick frisk of queen charlotte hospital here um he he is in favor of having a 100% cesarean section society
0: just because it's more it's safer for both the mother and the child or
1: well that's one of the yeah, because that's not because that's often what it's promoted to do, but that's actually not correct because it's not safer for mother and child. Mm. Um but he finds that, you know, women uh giving birth um spontaneous is, is archaic. Mm. That was his words, is archaic. So um yeah, it's a little bit worrying when you've got someone who's the head of the biggest training hospital in the UK um, advocating for um, promoting 100% cesarean society. Mm.
0: So what are some of the other reasons that like mothers are electing cesareans more often? Because there's some different motivations for that, right?
1: There's many, many. In Brazil, it's often through, um, uh, through sexual reasons. Diminished sexual experience. So um, taking a baby out of the stomach is is preferred. Um, There's uh, uh, financial incentives for obstetricians. Um, They get paid more to do that because it's high risk. Um, There's also sort of the male to feed, you know, the the obstetrician to midwifery ratio. Um, And the assessment of risk is an interesting one because... Um, uh, where, where, for example, twins are considered an emergency, um, that's because the, obst- the risk is not actually giving birth to twins. The risk is because the obstetrician has no training in that. Mm. If you met a 70-year-old obstetrician in Lebanon, um, they've probably delivered thousands of twins, and that wouldn't be a, a reason for, for having a cesarean. So it's the lack of experience and education um, and for obstetricians um, that are, that, are, that that happens. Um, there's also fashion has a lot to do with, with birth. Um, the Sun King of France uh, wanted to see his mistress give birth, so there is a painting of him with a blanket over his head watching um, his child being born, um, and his mistress is lying down And because of that painting, um, women give birth lying down because what happened is that painting became famous. It became very elitist and people, women all around the world, wanted to lie down and give birth. Mm. Most women before that would have stood up, kneeled, got on all fours or whatever one needs to do in terms of gravity to make, you know, for ease of childbirth. Um, But this painting created such a fashion that, you know, Chris, probably you and I were born for the, you know that's a that's a consequence of the fashion that stemmed from that painting
0: mm. and and that's like they've said that that's a more difficult way to give childbirth or even more dangerous in some instances yeah. right,
1: but still you know um women give birth every day lying down, mm. which is not the best way to yeah, and you know a lot of that is through other intervention because they've got tens machines strapped to them, they've got catheters, they've got this that, and being monitored and you know, so the spontaneous natural birth is quite a lot different than what it used to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm. Um, and in terms of that, I'm trying to think because there's other debates, of course, classically with astrologers, like what is the moment of birth, or when mm. do you count the beginning of a person's life, and things like that, right?
1: Sure. I mean, I w- I've always said it's the first breath, and that's because um, it's when the umbilical cord um, stops operating between baby and mother. So up until the baby takes a first breath, it's dependent on the mother's oxygen through that um uh, um yeah, through the cord. So um as soon as it breathes, it becomes independent of the mother. So I've always said that, but you know um, but you know, I guess some people may say as soon as it enters the world, really,
0: mm.
1: but it still is dependent on the mother until it takes that first breath.
0: Right. Just that question of, is it the emergence or is it the first breath and what constitutes independent life? Sure. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) quite. Hmm. What are some of the details surrounding that? Because I've heard, and just I'm asking it's a little off topic, but there's some, sometimes like delays between those two, right? Or there can be like a little bit of a delay between-
1: Well, there can be, and and more in- um and And, in particular, with cesarean sections, because every cesarean section that's performed is a premature birth mm. um and the problem with any premature birth is that um uh it has a higher risk of respiratory problems okay um and so therefore yes, there may be a delay but you know and there's often a machine involved and things like that mm. um because often these babies can be very premature because. You know, people don't always get the dates correct, you know, 40 weeks or um, the the gestation period of pregnancy around the world is sort of 40 weeks, but that was actually based on a Caribbean study. Mm. If you you find different cultures, like for example, Indian culture, um, the gestation period is a lot shorter Mm. by a couple of weeks. So that does play into uh, when a baby could first take its first breath. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why it's high risk as well, Caesarean as opposed to spontaneous.
0: All right. So um, we've talked a little bit about interpretation and about how this tendency to have the births between nine to five uh, will add an increased tendency for like the Sun and Mercury and Venus to be in the top half of the chart. Um, But there's actually some other implications to this as well, right? In terms of chart placements?
1: Absolutely. Well, when you have Sun Mercury Venus in the top part of the chart, you don't have any Sun Mercury Venus in the bottom. So there's no. Um, but apart from that as well, you know, there's no nocturnal charts. So um, you, it's going to be rare to have a Pisces with with Scorpio rising or a Capricorn with Libra rising. You're not these sort of um, Sun Ascendant combinations are, are declining, if if not. Quite significantly already, um, so you know, even just doing a study on, on nocturnal and diurnal charts would be interesting. But of course, that has massive consequences in astrological interpretation um, in terms of rulerships. Um, you know, even nocturnal—looking like at a nocturnal chart, every—they're all going to be diurnal. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, the rulerships and you know the absence of of it's more just the absence of things as well, um, which we you know need to sort of acknowledge I guess because right. it's there's a there's a really sort of um, balance problem here.
0: Right, things suddenly become they go from being more balanced to being extremely imbalanced in some ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and when you think of you Know the Sun, Mercury, Venus in the top part of the chart, and you think, you know, this is I sort of see this now, I didn't see it in 2003, of course. Um, but what I see now is, um, you know, this is a the generation that's very out there, and it's very this is social media, it's it's uh, you know, the 10th house is this, there's a um, uh, is, is very prominent in, in these births, so the 10th house status um you know and this generation is is very much about how many likes it gets how popular it is and that's the status you know it's changed i mean i understand the capricorn generation sort of feeds into that as well but yeah. it's it's interesting that um and you know the venus as well mercury so th- th- i think perhaps um on a much more sociological perspective um we need to look, look at this and and see where it's going and how many and how how serious is it really?
0: Right. So you feel like um, this many people having birth charts with this greater tendency to certain placements is really going to have a larger societal effect in terms of when those people grow up and go into the world, the world being a slightly different place as a result of the perspective they're bringing to things.
1: Yeah. It's And, and it's not good or bad. It's not good or bad, but it is concerning where there is such an imbalance of this there's nothing wrong with these people you know but when you have a culture um you know a whole globe you know global society that has this imbalance you know what does that mean in terms of assessing culture where it's going
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and what is it you know what how how is it going to change um so i think I mean, you know, my background's in sociology, so I, I have a, a, a you know, a, I'm, con- I constantly think of where, where this may lead for the future. Not just in astrology, astrology gives us a tool to understand it, actually, you know, because from a doctor's point of view, obstetrician's point of view, it doesn't really matter, right? But from our point of view as astrologers, it really, really does.
0: Mm. Yeah, and we've never, I don't think we've ever seen something like that where there's been that big of a sh- societal shift in terms of astrology mm. and so many people being born in a way that's so much different than in, at any other time.
1: Mm. It's unprecedented in human society. It is, it is, yeah, this has never happened. Because, I mean, and, and of course, it's technology as well. That's another factor. You know, technology has, has created the means for us to do this,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it's about efficiency and time. Um, and that sort of thing, so that has a, a bearing on you know, and so it's only going to increase, and in technologies and um also you know my a, a big concern I have is really is with the technologies, like a lot of the younger generation um don't want to give birth anymore mm. they actually don't want to um and that's quite concerning, and I can't help uh, uh um visualize. You know what what I can't help um wonder where that's going to go in terms of if 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 people don't want to give birth anymore, for, well, two things. if they don't want to give birth anymore, then there's no need to carry a baby, and there's no need to have sex to conceive one. Mm. Um, but also so you know, and already we can see the signs of this. like Japan, there was a study couple of years ago, where people between 18 and 40, 50% hadn't had sex in two years. Mm. So this is what, sort of where it's perhaps going as well. But the other side of it too is if we don't want to give birth, um, then we don't need to um, carry babies um, within ourselves, women. Um, so we're we're almost creating the demand for a technology to have these babies... Um, to procreate in quite a different way. And I can't help visualising The Matrix,
2: right.
1: um, and, you know, and all these pods or something along those lines because that is where it's going to go. And it's, you know, unfortunately sci-fi writers will, will you know, determine our future on, on many levels. So I think um, it's, yeah, there's a concern for actually procreation, you know, across the... Across the board here. Mm. This is a way of ousting it almost.
0: Yeah. I mean, that raises an interesting question of if you did have a completely artificial birth, is that still do you still have like a birth chart and a birth time? And is that still is this, is natal astrology still gonna work the same way at that mm. point?
1: Yeah, well, that's a very good question. Yeah, because when does it birth? Right. Yeah. Right. And and what does it mean? You know, like, um, yeah I mean, there's a wonderful study done by a doctor Arthur Janoff um and he wrote a book called the Primal Scream and he worked a lot with stanislav Groff mm. um and he um looks at how babies born naturally um uh, arrive in the world where they are equipped, you know they've had an intense survival um experience, and they've learned to to um have the drive and the, uh, the the need to to be birthed, mm. um, and he's very concerned about um, when human beings don't have that, then they don't have that drive. They don't have that um, uh, survival technique, really, mm. that humans are born with. So there's a different angle, but you know, from from. Uh, that point of view but you know there's many consequences that I don't think we even know at this point
0: yeah well it raises a lot of questions since astrologers often debate like how astrology works and what the basis mm. is of why a birth chart says anything about a person's life and to what extent there is a biological component or other components that are tied in with the either the gestation or the moment of birth that are relevant in explaining the astrological effect or whatever that is Yes, well,
1: exactly, and we may end up um, starting to think about conception, mm. that sort of, those sort of things, um, which are, you know, we can't determine at this point. We, we we're unable to do that unless it's outside of the body. Could so, you expand
0: on that? So, like, well, um, why can't well, you determine conception or? What? Well,
1: because <laughs> because sperm can live up to seven days. Okay. So um, I guess you can, you know, you could do It, if you were monitoring it, but Mm. um, but so, but if you you know do it in a a dish, you know, you can see when conception starts, I guess, right? So that makes it um easy to determine with conception, and it'd be very interesting. I would be very interested to know when conception takes place, um, you know, but I wouldn't want the technology intervening, you Mm. know, um, but. if we are not going to be giving birth in the, in the same way, which I believe we won't be at all, we will not be having natural births in, in 30 years' time, um, unless by accident. It'll be by accident that that happens. Mm. Um, but it will be int- You know, then when a baby is going to be born, if it is outside the womb, um, will be, yeah, will be an interesting thing to... Yeah, how how is it? It will, it will be birthed at a time when we believe that the gestation period is ended. Okay. But I don't know how that will play into astrology, and it, which I think perhaps why we would be more interested in conception, perhaps at that stage.
0: Sure. Uh, so that was interesting. So you said um, I'd heard that before, but maybe some listeners haven't that uh, conception can happen up to like seven days after like intercourse, basically, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, so it's because re- sperm can stay alive up to that up to that time. So, okay. um, yeah, we we never really know exactly when um, when an egg is fertilized. Exactly, we don't know.
0: Right. It's just interesting because astrologers have sometimes debated that, like the birth chart versus the conception chart, and some ancient astrologers had conception charts, but they seem to just rectify it for you know whatever, however they did that.
1: Right. Yeah, there used to be the um, what is the name of the. Um, there is a study done which it doesn't really hold up to be honest um i can't remember it now sorry chris um, that's okay uh it will come to me um but yeah based on the moon's longitude and and things like that um uh, it will come to me during this session uh but yeah it doesn't hold up but it is the only astrological theory um or research done on that on that subject um uh, but it doesn't hold up in northern latitudes, and it doesn't hold up for twins. Okay. So it doesn't really work as far as I'm concerned. But, right. Um,
0: so you think you said that you think it's going in that direction, so that at some point in the future this is going to be like a hundred percent. Is that aside from accidents or?
1: Well, yeah, that, that's what the head of Queen Charlotte wants, which is the biggest training hospital, probably in Europe. Really, you know, um, or certainly one of the you know um, largest. And if the head of, you know, and there's there's many, there's many women obstetricians as well. I mean, when you go back to that Uranus-Pluto conjunction and Virgo, which I am one of, um, there's, there's a lot of people have attributed Caesarean section and the baby convey about sort of thing to men. Um, you know, a lot of feminists um, discuss sort of the, that men are controlling um, women and birth and that sort of thing. And to a certain extent it is. But what I found fascinating, because um, I interviewed a lot of mothers um, who'd given birth by Caesarean section and the ones of my generation, the ones with Uranus, Pluto and Virgo, when I interviewed them, the, the narrative that came from these women were, I wanted to know everyone was doing their job. I wanted to make sure that the the, uh, the clinic was sterile. I wanted to make sure this and that and this and that and basically it came very became very clear that these women wanted to organize their birth
0: mm, okay
1: it's a virgo
0: thing sure
1: so Uranus Pluto and Virgo even even wanting wanting to know the sex of a baby is partly because you you know of organizing after their birth mm. it's a very virgo thing um and you know it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's healthy you know it's very, again it's very Virgo but They do know what, you know, these women did want to know because it's all about organisation. So it's not always about control. Mm. It's actually just about organising, I think. Okay. And I think that that's that's paved the way, um, you know, of no return. Um, and, And it's not just that generation of mothers. It's the fathers, the health professionals. So everyone's sort of all on the same... Wavelength, if you like, you know, um, a mindset of an organised birth is a good one.
0: Okay, and you said that sometimes there's like an aesthetic like component. Just as there's been a rise in like plastic surgery and things like that, this is that's a component or contributing factor for some people.
1: Oh yeah, the aesthetics of it, yeah, very much. So in terms of, um, well, well, for example, Brazil with diminished sexual experience. Mm -hmm. I mean. that's you know there's that um and yeah I, I, there's a disconnection with the reproductive or you know organs as well i mean some women um or uh, well, some men have have said that after they've watched birth that they you know find it difficult to see um a woman's parts as as you know a, a sexual organ after that mm. after it, so so you know there is a lot of aesthetic you know but that's what it is. It's sort of pro, you know, it's a sexual, it's 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 for procreation, um, giving birth. But so there's a real disconnect from that. Sure. And that's very um it's very strange.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing we haven't touched on yet is that if it's all happening Monday through Friday, then the planetary weekdays sort yeah. of thing sort of gets blown out of the water a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so uh yeah and and to be honest most most of the births are done earlier in the morning okay um and monday to thursday so um yeah less on fridays and that's yeah so um uh, well, and of course christmas boxing day easter bank holidays really low um really low rates of birth during okay. those holiday periods.
0: That's so funny. So there would mm. be certain like uh, degrees of the zodiac with the sun that would just be blocked out or would just be much lower for different age groups like Christmas day. Uh, I'm trying to think of that's like sun is-
1: Capricorn. Yeah,
0: Capricorn. Yeah. So we don't have any of like that degree of Capricorn births so or at least they'll be much more rare.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, there's always been certain peaks, you know, particularly around September. It's sort of a post-New Year's Eve thing. Um, And there's actually been some interesting studies on baby boomers. um, You know, like America had a big baby boom or a mini baby boom, I should say, after, you know, the power cut of New York for seven hours, things like that.
0: What happened with that?
1: So I think it was in the late 70s. I may be wrong on that, but, but the power went out for seven hours. People trapped in elevators and everything, and there was a mini baby boom after that. Nine months after that. Okay. And what scared? So, so I sort of explored these sort of types of research. What I found um, a little bit um, disheartening was, um, I went to Massey University in New Zealand, and one of the guys there did a study on little mini baby booms in New Zealand, because no one could work out why there was these peaks and troughs. Um over a certain amount of um decades. Um, but this um particular researcher nailed it and he found that they were associated with all black wins.
0: Okay. So
1: when the all blacks won rugby, um, you know, in an international game, nine months later there'd be a baby boom. So I thought that was, you know, a bit um yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really funny, just how different societal, just going back to the societal thing, how Little things like that can sometimes have like a huge generational impact in these this clustering of people born at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, and of course we've also got China, who has a predominantly male society, um, one child family. So you know, and things like sociologically, when you've got a population of mostly men, then it's um, been you know quite often that leads to war. Mm. When you've got a very margin population, and it's and so, you know, we're we're living in some very interesting times right now, um, and this generation, um, it it's it would be interesting how it plays out. I think you know it's going to be.
0: Yeah, uh, are there any other interesting ones like that in terms of holidays? Like in the U.S., sometimes they talk about like Valentine's Day and and sure, yeah, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. So it well, there's seasonal too. There's like seasonal births, um, you know, for example, Northern Latitudes where, um, you know, where there's, it's winter for six months and summer for six months, mm. you know, there's, there's less births because women actually don't menstruate as much either. So they're not as fertile when there's no moon, when there's no, there's no, um, uh, when they're living in the dark mm. for six months. So it, there's a lot less births um, from that. Um, so that's, you know, and th- I think that applies to all northern latitudes where it's dark, you know. So it, it, the seasonal things um, with birth too. Um, and But then there's always been these patterns. There has always been these patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and I would imagine um, even the lunar phases would actually play into that too.
0: Sure, in terms of like how bright it is outside at night versus how dark it is.
1: Yeah, and... Well, you know, and also on a different level, like there's lots of studies done in psychiatric units. Um, I think the book um, The Moon and Madness um, is an excellent book written by a psychiatric nurse who um, did a, 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 an overall study of all that had been researched on um, full moons and hospitals. So from A&E to cardio departments to psychiatric and he found behavior different, so I think that would play into to that as well, perhaps also looking at emergency seriouss because it's more crisis orientated i think mm, right mm.
0: Um, how did this research so did you when you went into this um you I'm sure you found some things that were unexpected that you didn't expect to find. How did that affect your views on astrology in general um
1: uh,
0: I mean, did it? Did even just doing this research? Because I don't think a lot of astrologers focus on statistical research, for example, or like look into hard numbers. Yeah,
1: and no, I'm not really—I'm not a statistician by any means. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm much more for qualitative, you know, and, and I, but I use both. Mm-hmm. I think mixed methodologies, and well, when you but you need the numbers to understand. Um, so uh, you know, we I, I would be interested to know how many, just even nocturnal diurnal you know, um, people, uh, within the last two generations, right. last two decades. And I, I think you'll find there's a, you know, huge, um, discrepancy between that, Right. but it's very difficult to get that data. I was very lucky to get the data that I did. Um, I looked at 90,000 births, wow. um, from the four Bristol hospitals. Um, and I was very lucky that the company gave me the data and I got mother's age, um, uh, and method of delivery t- exact time of delivery and that sort of thing so i explored 90,000 data um and the you know of of all births um over um 18 years mm. so uh it was you know the 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 statistics on that is just incredible and it's not sophisticated it's very easy you know it's all done in excel it's, you know so it's very um Easy to do, but I mean, just looking at how many Caesareans are born, you know, at nine in the morning. Right. There's just off the scale peak, you know. Um, And we need those in order to understand what's going on. But I'm not a stats person at all. Sure. But this is more about number counting.
0: Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's important that. I mean, I'm sure it's something that was new to you just because it's not something that astrologers usually do a lot of and at least insightful in seeing that sometimes certain patterns are the result of you know outside intervention or things that can be explained that you have to be careful to take those like sociological explanations into account yeah. instead of immediately jumping to maybe some other astrological conclusion or something like that.
1: Well, absolutely. And I wouldn't have actually um, thought about the Uranus-Pluto and Virgo generation mm even though I'm one of them, had I not interviewed women and heard them just using all these Virgo keywords, right. um, which made me think, uh, you know, I never, ever thought that's where it was going to lead. Mm. So, and I'm quite happy to, you know, this is very, you know, it's just not, you know, sort of, it's organic for me. You know, I'm, I'm happy to go wherever it takes me. And I'm not, I don't have any particular direction I want the research to go. Mm-hmm. Um I would be more interested in looking at the what, what has not been done. There's only one study ever been done on looking at the effects of cesarean section from a psychological point of view. I think that was more about emergency. Um, and as, astro- as astrologers, we would probably agree. Um, uh, and it was a very small study done on uh, children and... How they may um and and as they're young how they perceive the world mm. and I mean just as a very this is very uh brief and it's not I would not this is not a blanket interpretation but you know for example if someone had Pluto on the on the ascendant mm. you know my question is you know what was your birth like um and and the psychological traits that go with Pluto on the ascendant correlate um. Uh, with those study the study that's been done on children um, that were born by Caesarean. So I'd be interested in looking at a psychological um, a social psychological um, to see, yeah, how that how that actually because it's a pretty traumatic experience, but in a different way than, you know, people who've been born before.
0: Right. That makes sense. So one of the things that we started talking about a little bit and we've touched on a few times is just um, generational changes and some of those transits. Um, But there's some transits coming up to you really focused on the Pluto and Virgo generation and then how there were some babies and some things coming in during that Capricorn stellium in the late 80s and early 90s. But now there was some transits coming up to that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that particular generation is now coming of age for first first child mm. age so that's roughly the 30 years so um which is the age of mother at first birth today so yes they are coming up to that age and they're going to are being hit with the saturn pluto conjunction in capricorn followed by jupiter later this year um and so uh i think that's going to have a bearing on terms of the you know capricorn is a parental sign mm. so i think there's going to be um quite a lot of interest in how to change childbirth as it as it currently stands in a in a natural form mm-hmm. um this is it's going to challenge the status quo mm-hmm. that's that's out there, and you know there is a breakdown of the nuclear family this is a generation where it was normal for parents to be divorced, have up to eight grandparents. So that whole nuclear family is sort of broken up anyway. There's less children being born within families, no children being born. Um, so we're already on a path of, you know, changing um, family and childbirth. Mm-hmm. And as Jupiter starting going to go into Aquarius next year, followed by Pluto, it's going to bring in quite radical um ways of childbirth, I think Aquarius is not um doesn't you know really Aquarius you know prefers um being with like-minded people than with blood relations, you no. know um or if at, with humans at all <laughs> no, but um so I think that uh the technology that's going to be introduced with that and the uniform or uniformity of birth in quite a different way is gonna and, and I think it's going to move very fast. Hmm. Very fast. I mean we've moved a long way in two decades. Right. Um when all these planet three planets move into Aquarius, it's it's gonna spearhead us into something quite unprecedented and irreversible.
0: Yeah it's interesting thinking about the age of Aquarius as and, and the way technology obviously has Suddenly and very rapidly come into everybody's lives, but it's interesting thinking about it affecting something so fundamental like this, like when people are born and creating greater uniformity in that.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely, and you know this is a generation. Um, you know, um, uh, part of other research I do is looking at this particular generation with the Stellium and Capricorn. And the incredible amount of anxiety that that comes with that generation, Capricorn is anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And I worry about this generation. I think it's um, been left to sort of raise itself, if you like, uh, and had to create its own regulations and things like that, particularly with social media. Mm -hmm. So I think the anxiety around childbirth, I think there's going to be a real disdain for it. Um, And the anxiety of, of... Pregnancy and childbirth may be the catalyst and and creating technologies to avoid carrying babies and giving birth.
0: Sure. And do you feel like I mean, with some of these things, especially like aesthetic trends, sort of wax and wane in different years and different generations from decade to decade. Like maybe in this will be something where it's a trend, but perhaps sometimes there might be a counter trend at some point, so that it. Maybe doesn't go as far as it as it could even though it's on that trajectory now
1: sure well the other side of the Aquarius of course is you know more the um going you know being a little bit more um uh mindful of uh the um, oh,
0: God.
1: yeah is be, uh, is being more mindful of uh humane more humane um practices that sort of thing so that may be the the other side to that mm-hmm. um and and of course the shadow side to aquarius is leo um and whenever i talk about this i always put on um bonheifer's quote that says the measure of a society is is what how it leaves it for its children right um and i always cuz i always feel that it it may be the children in this particular era that we're living in that will not be counted, Mm. um, will not be valued. um, And uh, yeah, we do not know what we do, really. We don't have the facts. We don't know what the implications of this particular method of delivery
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, has psychologically. We can see it sort of culturally, sociologically, but psychologically, we don't have information.
0: Yeah, well, and it's funny because it's one of those interesting problems that we're sort of seeing the beginning of it in many ways now, but it's something that astrologers will have to deal with in the future that's almost not fully our problem yet, but we can sort of see that it, it may be at some point. Like, astrologers often get the question of, like, what happens when people are born on the moon or Mars or something? And, and, Can you still do astrology there? And it's sort of like an interesting thought experiment, but it's really something that future generations are going to have to deal with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even space stations and things like that. Right. Creating new coordinates for everything, and you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it would. That's not unrealistic. I mean, NASA has been planning that since you know the seventies, and if we need to have space stations and and that cater for populations. It's not um, at all um, to think that this is not going to happen in the next decade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's also, you know, with the Aquarius, the Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto in Aquarius, it's going to be quite a different world. You know, it's going to be quite a different world and and uh, particularly, you know, technologically and that sort of thing. So, I think children are going to have to because of the Capricorn generation and going into Aquarius, I think they're going to have to grow up a lot faster.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, one thing that concerns me, it's a little bit way out there, but um, Ray uh, Kurzweil, um, who writes about the singularity, mm-hmm. um, do you, the, the American advi- he's advisor to three presidents, and he's got 13 honorary PhDs from Ivy League universities. Um, and he believes we will be able to download the brain within a couple of years, he said, by the late 20s. Mm. Um, and what he means by that is personality, skills, memory. Um, and if we're able to do that, um, then we'll also be able to upload the brain as well. Mm. And what that means for child development, when you can upload to a two-year-old every language in the world, engineering, degree, you know, is this is really so close now. It's not even you know, it's not even um, far-fetched. 10 years ago it would have been, but it's already happening.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that makes me think also of like the movie uh, Gattaca from the 90s where they had people picking like biological traits and trying to eradicate biologically um, like imperfections or things like that, like Mm -hmm. genetically inherited disease. Um, But we kind of are like astrologically, um, with some astrologers doing like electional astrology for births, yeah. that that gets tied into. You're not a, you're not a fan of that.
1: Well, if they have to have a caesarean, then fine. Yeah. But sure. you know, there's no good or bad chart. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing. You know, you don't ever think look at a child and go, "Oh, that's terrible." Right. You know, and, yeah. and you can't put a child back in either. Right. You know, so you you, you know it it becomes very judgmental. You know, it becomes. Too black and white. When you know, I I have I have elected a chart for a friend.
2: Okay.
1: Um. Uh. And she was about forty six when she had to have a cesarean. Um. And she had that because of a blood transfusion she'd had several years ago. Um. But then you know, um, with all elections, sometimes it's not within your hands. Uh, right. With you know so, um. And and it was fine, but I think you know, it, it, you. If you if you have to, you know, if there is going to be, you know, it's a bit like having any operation, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would do it more about the operation rather than try to design the perfect baby. Okay. Because this is a problem. I have a. I've I've had a quote on my fridge for about fifteen years, and it's from the Economist, and it says, um, "The Smiths told the Jones how much they'd paid to have their daughter, um, to have blue eyes." Um, and the Jones couldn't believe it, they thought, why didn't they put that money to making her more musical? You know, and, and <laughs> no. it's been on my... Um, you know, and this is, this is how it is though. And we, we do this now, for example. You know, you can have an abortion up to 24, uh, 24 weeks due to unfavourable results, paper results. So uh, So yet, you can have a baby and it can survive at 22... So we're all sort of getting into these sort of very weird gray areas that we're not, you know, where where it's going to test our morality. I think mm-hmm. a little bit more, and the Aquarius will hopefully do that. Their planets moving into Aquarius will, yeah, shift their moral compass. I I believe.
0: Sure. Well, then it seems like that'll be a challenge ethically for astrologers. Then, if you know, if the Induced birth and scheduled birth rates do go that high, like astrologers are going to get that question much more often. It would seem like, because clients will naturally then say, Well, if I need to schedule it, when should I schedule it? And what should I, what, what things should I take into account? Yeah. Do you think it, if it went up to that high of a rate, does it become less eth- of an ethical issue mm-hmm. at that point? Or at what point is it, um, you know something where you would feel comfortable.
1: I think that will be normal. Like, well, it's going on now in China and India. Sure, it, it's already happening. Right, and we just don't have it here yet. You know, so it's going to happen.
0: I mean, how much of that is a natural mm. outgrowth of astrology that's acceptable in some sense versus how much is that philosophically like a? I don't. I want to go so far as to say a misuse of astrology, but is it problematic? Well, it, well
1: that's questionable, isn't it? Like, sure. Yeah. To what extent, yeah, to what extent do you, well, it's, I guess with astrologers, we um sort of, as we train, where we learn about, you know, having a, a strong conscience and, and uh, you know, a high moral, uh, high moral benchmarks, but, you know, there's still people that sort of elect terrible things, you mm-hmm. know, and they used to all the time, of course, you know, that's, you know, when they would elect battles and wars and, you know, t- so... I guess it's not new for us, but we haven't sort of lived by those, the same parameters in the last 100 years, you know, perhaps, or 70 years. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, but I think it will definitely, I mean, it's already happening in places like China and India, Mm -hmm. trying to find auspicious times to have a child uh, when it's within their, um, when they're able to do so. But, and it will come um, to the Western world too, and it's going to bring up a lot of questionable um, practices for astrologers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some people will think there's nothing wrong with it. Um, yeah, not sure. Yeah,
0: so ready for that yet? <laughs> sure. Yeah, the future is always uh, very strange. Um, where speaking of the future, where where do you plan to go in terms of your research? Is this something that you're going to continue to work on and and develop, or are you moving into other areas at this point?
1: Um, no, I'm, it's always, yeah, I'm always looking at developing the research. I mean, for me, I feel like it's a lifetime, it's a lifetime project. And okay. I can't ever really not imagine, you know, um, doing this. And I'm interested in all types of different um, births, really, and what, what that would mean astrologically and sociologically, mm. psychologically. Um, so, yeah, I will continue to you know i mean i you know i've been you know put this into a phd for many years but it's it's not really about the phd for me it's about um uh, well it is in terms of taking it further so that's why i have to complete um the phd but for me it's really about getting the work out there
0: sure yeah and just raising awareness about this as a as a phenomenon that's happening
1: yeah it is about raising awareness particularly within the astrological community sure um because it's really the only well, maybe not the only, but the only um discipline I guess um that that I know that can highlight this particular you know um yeah uh, phenomenon, so i'm I'm interested in in making it more aware, so that's the problem I have, whether I just publish everything right or continue to study so I, which I probably will do because mm-hmm. it just tends to grow and it's really you know important i think to get out there
0: have you ever gotten any like pushback from astrologers or any debates about this of people i don't know objecting to any conclusions or
1: yeah some people i mean there's some very strange th- it's always sort of tied up with fate okay um normally and people have said you know well this is how society wishes to present itself mm. um this is how you know it's the cosmic um, you know how it's going to unfold, and like I said, I keep coming back to the lunch hours and the Friday afternoons, and I cannot believe that obstetricians' diaries are, are um, yeah, are an advocate for fate because that's just just doesn't make sense to me. I don't believe that you know that is the case, but a lot of astrologers believe that this is if that's what's happening, then that's what's supposed to happen.
0: The idea that like everything happens for a reason or something yeah, like that, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and it'll all be okay. Mm. And mm, I'm not really of that, yeah.
0: Whereas you feel like this is not necessarily this is a, a not positive intervention of technology in society that's kind of messing up the even distribution of uh, an otherwise natural phenomenon,
1: mm. absolutely. Okay, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, I'm, um. Yeah, this is intervention, and you know, and 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 that's exactly what it is. On you know, um, and you know, even if astrologers believe um, that you know fate. I mean, if if that's the case, then there needs to be some uh, thought thinking about can can fate be intervened? Then, if that's what people believe, sure, can fate be intervened with?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess can that's... you
1: intervene with the gods if you like? So
0: right. I guess that's been one of the questions uh, with like electional astrology. Like, do you do you practice or do you believe in electional astrology yourself?
1: Yes, definitely. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I use it myself. And I yeah 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 yeah. No no no, I do yes definitely because if 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 you know and I um, you know and I I lock my doors Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and I don't walk at two o'clock in the morning in a dark street you know if I lift things you know I don't uh, I think it's important that you know there is a you, you, if if we believed that, then what is the point of having any free will? Then mm-hmm. there there is no point. Sure. So I'm um yeah, I definitely believe in election. Yeah. Okay. Is that what you mean by that? Is that yeah yeah?
0: I was just curious. Do you mean
1: it from the other side of it? The- like I was
0: trying to think of that the argument would be or how to frame it if if there's some astrologers that say this is just the way that it is and this is where society is going and no matter what happens, even if there's intervention in the birth, the birth chart will still work and still be relevant because that was the chart the baby was supposed to have. Whereas it almost seems like you're saying that maybe you're concerned that this level of intervention might almost mess up the astrology or might
1: No, I don't think that level of intervention messes up the astrology okay. at all. And I do believe that every baby's chart, no matter how they're born, is mm. is the chart. You know, that's their chart. Sure. Um, I'd certainly, yeah, I definitely believe that. Um, there are some people that don't believe, like I've, a lot of people, well, not a lot, but you know, there's a few people that have said, you know, um, I was late, you know, or I was born premature. Oh, right. So this is when I was supposed to be born. And right. and it's like, well, you know, you're born, you know, there's nothing you can really do about that. And right. and no one would ever know exactly when you were supposed to be born. And it's not even worth going there really. So, um, yeah, some people have uh, different beliefs about birth and what, you know, but, yeah, some people also believe that babies are born, no matter how they're born, they're born at a time they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I do think that sort of cuts into, well, it certainly challenges, um, I think, it, well, it should challenge people's beliefs on fate. Sure. So why why have free will? Right. Why, if everything is is happening... I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not that cynical in that, you know, I do think things are interconnected. I do think, you know, and I take um but but I do think, you know, um there's a lot of personal responsibility that needs to be taken as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm and I'm sure there'll still occasionally be those funny stories where like the um, you know, doctor got in like a car accident and was late that day, and so the delivery occurred at like you know 5 p.m. that night instead of at nine o'clock oh, I mean, in the morning, yeah.
1: or... well, and now in Brazil, there is a, a joke is the only way you can have a natural birth is if you get stuck in traffic. <laughs> it's, a, it's a national joke, okay. Um, you know, it's yeah, and how awful to have a baby, you know, in a car in a traffic jam. Um, so you know there is yeah there is going to be there is going to be that there's going to be and and natural childbirth will be seen as archaic mm. you know um and you know i can you can already see this generation um not wanting to you know have have the same, you know well i'm sure there's many that do but there's also a, a, a large group i think a large majority who don't want to give, have birth give birth sure naturally
0: well, it'll be interesting to see if that has an effect on the astrology and what ha- effect it has and how astrologers cope with that in the future, let's say like a century from now. Yeah. exactly. So good luck. Exactly. Good luck, future astrologers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Good luck. We well, you have an interesting client base, you know. Right. There won't be much deviation between it, you know. It'll be.
0: Yeah. No S- S- Pisces suns with Scorpio rising, I think you said, because that would be a night chart.
1: Yeah, I'd be like, oh, my God, I had a third-hour son today. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: They were really chatty. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they seemed
1: right. to talk much more than everybody else. Yeah, right. exactly. All these sort of, you know, it is it is odd, but it, it's, it, it, like I said, it seems far-fetched, but actually, you know, there's a lot of things that people thought were far-fetched 10 years ago that are already here, you know, the technologies and stuff. So hmm, watch yeah. the space,
0: yeah. I think. Hmm. All right. Um, where can people find out more information about you and your work uh, in astrology in general?
1: Um, well, you can, um, I, my website, which is, should be updated within the next um, six weeks, is wendystacy.com. Okay. Um, and the school, um, which teaches and has webinars on the subject, specialized webinars, it's not part of the curriculum, is the Mayo School. So that's mayoastrology.com. Um, And, yeah, if you want to support the organization that supports astrology, then it's astrologicalassociation.com. Brilliant. So we have our annual conference and publications, the journal, um, online or hard copy. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, the Astrological Association Journal is amazing. And you guys make, have made digital versions of all of the back catalog yeah. available online. Yeah, it's all online.
1: archived. It's fabulous. It's such a treasure,
0: yeah, the treasure chest of, of knowledge. That's amazing for research astrologers mm. to have access to that as, as members.
1: Yeah. And for those interested in research, of course, we've got the Archive of Correlation as well, mm. which you know is, is really about quantitative research. Um, and that which has been done over the last couple of decades, which is really interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, that's one of the few journals like dedicated to sort of more scientific research and astrology.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And
0: then finally, so the Astrological Association holds a yearly conference. You guys just did your last one last week and yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And so people that live in Europe or the UK or pretty much anywhere should just know that every year you'll have an annual conference sometime around this time of the year.
1: Yeah, June. Possibly, we've just moved the last couple of years to June from September, which we had forty-nine conferences in September, or mm-hmm. um, except the Eclipse one in ninety-nine, which was in August. So we're trying out the we're trying out sort of spring summer conferences to see how they go. So to see how yeah. So next year we think it will be around the same time.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. Well, people should definitely check that out. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Chris. Been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you.